who are fathers, and we pray that you might lead, guide, and direct them in their lives. Help each one of us to be what you've saved us to be. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, when I started thinking about the things that I've learned about being a father, the first thing I thought of is what I've learned from my father, my own earthly father. From my father, I've learned a number of things, the first of which might not make a lot of sense to you. I learned from him, you don't have to be smart to know a lot. And to explain that to you, I know that sounds a little weird, but a lot of things I say will sound a little weird to you because I kind of have an Arkansas hillbilly slant to most things that I say. So I want to explain that to you a little bit. But before I do that, I want to show you a quote that I found from Mark Twain. It says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could barely stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. I was there. I was Mark Twain. Some of you, astonished. Now, by the way, when I say fathers, I mean any one of you that function today in the role of a father. That may be fathers, stepfathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, moms, grandmothers, foster parents, and anyone mentoring children, talking to any of you today. My guess is a lot of you here today maybe felt like Mark Twain at one time or another with your, with your dad. I know that I did. But I can't tell you how many times I've wished I could ask his guidance. Now. Today, June the 16th, Father's Day is actually also my dad's, my dad's birthday. And my dad's deceased. He would have been 105 today. But sadly, he passed away at the young age of 59. Actually, he didn't know when his birthday was. At about 14 years of age, both his parents died within a short period of time of each other. And he and his two-year-old sister were taken in by caring, loving neighbors. He just picked out a date for his birthday. No one knew, and he just picked June the 16th. He finished the third grade and then had to go to work on the family farm in order for them to make ends meet until he was old enough to hire out to various other farmers in the area. Finally, he got a job as he got older with the Civilian Conservation Corps, eventually got married, 
then was drafted into World War II and served in Germany and France. Now, my parents were unable to have children, but they had made arrangements <clears throat> to adopt before my dad went into the service. While overseas, my mother was able to adopt me from a facility that cared for unwed mothers. He didn't get to see me till I was over a year old, except for a picture that he carried around with him that was well worn out by the time he got back. I have a picture of, I still have that picture of me at a very young age with one of the two purple hearts he earned on, pinned on my chest. After the war, he became employed at a local school as a bus, by, as a bus driver and mechanic. He was a very gift mechanic, but sadly, as I've already mentioned, because of his education level, he could barely read and write. He didn't have a lot of academic smarts, but he sure knew a lot. It just took me a while to figure it out. We started going to church when I was about nine or ten years old. Shortly thereafter, they asked my dad to be the Sunday school superintendent, which some of you old-timers will remember. That included giving a short devotional at the beginning of the service before Sunday school ever started. Some of you remember that, right? Used to be a practice we enjoyed here and had some good devotionals from some wonderful, caring men. Well, my dad reluctantly accepted, which developed an unusual relationship between my dad and myself because it became my job to teach my dad how to read the scriptures that he was going to read. And I sat up close in front because he would invariably get caught with a word and I'd have to help him pronounce it. That's when I first learned that's when I first learned you don't have to be smart to know a lot. My dad couldn't read some of the words in the Bible, but he knew the author. Proverbs 17:24 says, "Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth." Well, my dad had knowledge, wisdom, and understanding beyond book smarts. Dad had life smarts. He knew he was a, at a real disadvantage in academic careers, but becoming an expert mechanic gave him a livelihood. He could fix anything that had an engine in it. Reminds me of Gary. He knew his family needed to know the Lord. He knew he wanted me to have an educational opportunity that he never had. And I became the first person in our family, not just to graduate from college, but from high school. 
which was his insistence that I attend college and have opportunities he never had. But I figured out no matter how many college degrees I might have, I'd never have the knowledge and wisdom of him. I thought this was going to be hard, and it's harder. I thank God for having a father and a mother that chose me to love and care for me. At the expense of telling you a lot of stories, and I can't help it, there's another one I want to share with you. I was about seven, I guess, years old. My dad drove the bus, of course, first on, last off. And I remember um, being on the bus one day, and my dad had this thing. We have a bus driver back here. Wave at us. Former school bus driver back here. I told her this story, and she can appreciate this. Bus kids can be terrible. No, they can be terrible. But my dad, when it got real noisy, he would drive that bus, he would bring that bus to a screeching stop. He would stand up, and at the top of his lungs, he'd say, All right, you loud-mouthed hay balers. Now, you'd have to understand we're from an agricultural community. You guys better shut up, or we're not going to leave. This bus is going to sit here. So they'd sit there quietly till it got quiet. Well, it, it happened that day. Dad came to a screeching stop, gave his speech. We took off. You know how it goes. And a few minutes later, you know, it started building back up. And this one kid beside me, his name was also Charles, Charles Allen. They called all us boys by our middle name. I was Charles Ernest. My dad's name was Ernest. He was Charles Allen, and I was Charles Ernest. Well, Charles Allen started jacking his jaws and really loud and he was up close to the front of the bus and I said you better be quiet my dad's going to get you he said he's not your dad you're adopted and I said I know that but he chose me he picked me out you I think had to come home with your parents now, maybe that wasn't the right thing, <laughs> right thing to say, but that's, that's what I said, right? Well, I also learned from my father that character is more important than you think. Proverbs 27 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Character is way more important than most people think. I can't tell you how many people have told me who knew my dad that he was one of the most honest and trustworthy men they've ever met. He exhibited loyalty, integrity, work ethic, fairness, compassion, responsibility, self-control, virtue, godliness, and love. Well, I told you he passed at the age 59. 
the circumstances kind of demonstrate his character. While driving the bus route home one day right before Christmas break, there was a big commotion erupted in the back of the bus like usual. And I'm sure some of you have had this circumstance in your house when the kid's just going nuts back there. Have you ever heard this eruption in the back and you said, I don't know what's going on back there, but someone's hair better be on fire when I come back there or something like that. Well, okay, that's what it was. Someone's hair was on fire in the back of the bus. One redneck boy set a little girl's hair on fire in the back of the bus. In an attempt to put the hair out and all of the stress, Dad had a stroke. He drove home paralyzed on one side. Clutch, brakes, stick in the floor, steering wheel, all the way home. Then went to the emergency room where he spent two or three weeks in recovery therapy and began to recover. Got home, had a nice lunch with mom, sat down, had a heart attack at a very early age. I can't tell you how many parents when I was younger whose children rode my dad's bus said they never worried about their kids. You see, we lived in a we live way out in the country, and lots of times we didn't even get home at night because the creeks got up. That's not something we deal with around here. When the creeks got up, Dad had to take the kids somewhere else because you couldn't get to their homes. So he'd take them to other homes throughout the neighborhood, or in some cases they'd come back and spend the night at the school. Character is more important than you think. Second Peter 1 and 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brother, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and, un and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Character is way more important than you think. One last thing I learned from my father was Self-worth is way more important than self-wealth. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, when I say self-worth, I'm not talking about a selfish kind of spirit, pride. He didn't have that. I'm just saying my dad showed that you can be happy and self-assured with who you are 
and know that you have value without being the richest person in the world. I was always, always amazed, though, we didn't have much money when we got the whole bus pretty much unloaded except for the kids that lived on the other side of that creek I was talking about. There were about six of us that really lived back in the woods. And there was a little mom and pop grocery store that when he got everybody else off, my dad would stop at this little grocery store and I was always amazed, as poor as we were, he always had a nickel or a dime for the kid that didn't have any. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 15. Some of you will recognize this from Vacation Bible School this week. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My flame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Well, this week in Vacation Bible School, as I said, this was one of our memory verses. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think my dad knew that verse, that truth, and lived it out in his life. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I'm thankful that my dad lived a life based on self-worth rather than self-wealth and that he lived an honorably and just and commendable life as a pattern for me to follow. He taught me you don't have to be smart to know a lot that character is more important than you think. And self-worth is more important than self-wealth. But I learned some other things, too, about being a father. I've also learned things from my children. My grandchildren, and now a great-grandchild. And I know what you're thinking. Jimmy Sue and Lou look too young to be great-grandparents. But Jimmy Sue's one of those little girls that rode my dad's bus. She rode right behind him. She and her twin sister got on, and they got right on that front seat behind him, grabbed onto that rail, and they never moved because they were so afraid he was going to pull that thing to a screeching stop and start yelling. I'll never forget the first day I saw those kids come down the hill. I thought, wow, look at her. <laughs> One of the most important things I learned from my children, they need our time. More than money, they need our time. More than fancy toys and elaborate birthday parties, they need our time. Cardboard boxes and duct tape. Learning to skip rocks. Read to them. Slow down. 
show them the work of God in creation. Never miss the chance to show them the moon. Matthew 19, 13 through 14 says, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked him. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, Jesus essentially said, They need my time. When your kids say, Daddy, 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 Mommy, 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 put down your phone. Listen. Many of you here are grandparents. Some of us here are great-grandparents. Probably not a more special relationship, is there? Those of you who are experiencing that. But we're not supposed to just still have fun, although we try to and do. Discipline's still a part of your role as well. Of course, we have the time to devote to them. We can give them undivided attention. We can sit on the floor and play for hours, and it's okay. On one particular excursion, one of my granddaughters, Hallie, who's um, a student at Texas Tech, go Raiders, right? Had spent the night with Jimmy Sue and I, and uh, she went home, and my daughter-in-law, Amy, called me up and said, uh, well, of course, I knew Hallie was spending the night with you, Charles, but I would have known it anyway because of what she came home with. She came home and proudly showed her mom she had learned how to spit. <laughs> Amy said, uh, Hallie said, Grandpa said it's important that girls learn how to spit because it's very unladylike to have drool running down your chin <laughs> when you need to get something out of your mouth. And that's the kind of thing that you don't forget as a child. And Lauren knows about this because the same thing happened with her. The exact same thing. We had this special place where when we went to the park, right? We'd go to the park right there in that little covert. Every time we'd practice. From my children, I also learned they are a mirror of who we are. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child when I became a man. I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Our children are like mirrors. They're reflecting images of what happens around them. In addition to sharing genetic similarities with their parents, they reflect the gestures, the language, and interests of the adults in their lives. You'll notice a child holding their crayon just like dad holds his pen or saying a phrase like grandma says it often. Their behavior, the behavior and habits of children 
are exposed to or at an early age can become, become behaviors and habits they carry into adult life. Our children will more likely follow our example than our advice. Have you ever heard the statement, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? They're great imitators, aren't they? So we need to give them something great to imitate. Isn't it amazing how we find ourselves, we older ones, becoming more like our parents, the older we get? Don't you sound like your dad? Don't you sound like your mom? We realize, finally, that they did get it after all. We just couldn't see it then, could we? From my children, I also learn an unexpected thing, unconditional love. Friendships ebb and flow throughout the seasons of our life. Sadly, marriages fail. Family feuds lead to strange relationships. But we are forever a parent responsible for loving and caring for another human being one we brought into this world. We sometimes disagree with our children, but despite the things they do, they'll always be our children. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, I always thought that I would be the one that taught my kids that I love them unconditionally, but I didn't expect them to do the same for me. I have felt their unconditional love in the most unexpected ways. My son, who's not a talker at all, sent me a very long, touching letter when my mother passed away a few years ago. Which really comforted and touched me at a very low point in my life. My daughter, still today, seeks out my advice and guidance in difficult decisions she makes, and that makes me feel loved and, and honored. A word to our children, too. Remember, honor your parents. Honor your mother, father and your mother. The Bible says it's a commandment with a promise. A long and full life. But most importantly are the things I've learned from my heavenly father. From my heavenly father, I've learned we have a tremendous spiritual responsibility a, a tremendous responsibility to be the spiritual leader 
in our home. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The primary responsibility for this training, the Bible clearly states and teaches, God has assigned to the Father. Our model, Jesus Christ. The husband's supposed to follow the path of a servant leader, a spiritual servant leader that imitates Christ as a parent. He needs to be tuned in to his family's needs and he's concerned for its spiritual welfare. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need to set a godly example and live out our faith. In cases where the father, for whatever reason, does not or cannot fulfill his responsibility, it falls to the wife, grandparents, or other loving caregivers. In any case, children deserve godly leadership. In this church, many of our men stand ready to help mentor when needed and when appropriate for those of you that need help. Isaiah 6 and 8 says, But now, Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are the work of thy hand. Our children are the clay. We as parents are the potter. God help us to mold vessels that honor you. Also, my Heavenly Father has taught me, never give up on your wayward children. I know many of you here are near and dear to this thought. You have adult children who at this point right now may not be serving God as you would desire, and it breaks your heart. I know it does. I know many of you, and I know the circumstances, but I can't help but think of the story of the prodigal son in Luke, the 15th chapter. The son who went off and did his thing and spent his money and had his good time. And in the pig pen, he woke up. In verse 17, he says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perished with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Get this. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet 
and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. What I noticed there is dad was outside, waiting, looking, longing for his son. Ready to welcome him home. It's a beautiful example of God's redeeming grace. Let's all remember to pray for the adult children of all of our church family. God's still working on them. You did your best. Never give up on them. Finally, I've learned from my Heavenly Father, put God first in your life. Joshua 24, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And this is the important part of it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Love that verse. I love that intent. Put God first in your life. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39 says, Jesus said unto them, by the way, this was one of the leadership who was trying to tempt him. One of the lawyers asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I believe a man, a father, that follows these two commandments will have little problem being both the husband and father that God wants him to be. I think my earthly father, Ernest Smith, I think my children, and I thank my heavenly father for helping me be a better father. I'd like for all of our fathers who are here today, if you would stand, please. All of you, please stand. If you are a father, a stepfather, a grandparent, I'd like for you all to stand. And I'm going to ask Brother Brandon. He's going to come up. And he's going to lead us in a prayer. up if I'm not on, huh? Uh, thank you, Brother Charles. Um, great message. Uh, something I'll take from that for sure is how to teach my daughter how to spit. Unfortunately, I don't have one. Um, but no, I loved how you said your father knew that he needed to raise his family to know the Lord. Um, and 
as you read Psalm 127, I kept reading into 128, and it said, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who leads his family in the way of the Lord. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for being the example to us men here on what a good, good father is, Lord. I thank you for walking before us and walking beside us, guiding us, directing us, Lord, correcting us, Lord, just helping us to be the men that you've called us to be. Lord, and I just ask a special blessing on these men, that, Lord, that they know um, of the importance of walking with their family in the ways of this Lord, of the Lord, um, the, the blessings that abound when we walk in obedience and honor to you, Lord, are great. And just the faithfulness that it takes to believe in that, Lord, I ask that you just pour that faithfulness into each, each man's heart in this room, Lord. I ask a special blessing on their family, Lord, that you just watch over them, that you help them to understand the importance of the father and this family relationship, Lord, that it is their job, that it is their duty to lead them in this manner. Lord, those that are without a father in this room or without a father figure, those who have lost a father, Lord, just be with these children and help them to know, Lord, that, uh, that you are the perfect example, that your instruction is all they need, Lord, that um, while there are great benefits from having an earthly father, Lord, you as a heavenly father is all we need, that you are the ultimate um, that you are the fulfillment of all that we need, Lord. And I just hope that you pour your Holy Spirit into those that who might be lacking, Lord, that they can understand, that they can know, that they can be fulfilled with your love, Lord, with your guidance, with your comfort, and with your peace, Lord. I just pray that you be with us today, Lord. Help these fathers to go out and to do your will. Help them to be what you've called them to be, Lord. And I just praise you in God, in, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. for being here today. Happy Father's Day again to all of our dads here. As we're dismissed in the Lord's care, uh, Sherman, would you dismiss us, please? <laughs>